Praise God and welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Before we get into scripture, let's open with a prayer. Dear Lord God, Jehovah, most awesome and wonderful Lord, we just praise your most magnificent name, Lord Jesus. And I just want to thank you for this opportunity to be able to get together to hear your words today. Lord God, I, let, I pray that these words that come forward, that these would be your words, Lord God, and let them bless those that hear them, Lord God, and that you prepare our hearts and our minds and our spirits to receive these words today and get them sunken deep within our spirit so that they come bubbling up whenever it is that we may need them. These things I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, praise God. Once again, welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministry. So glad to have you here with us today. Um, if you don't have your Bibles with you, go ahead and pause this message and grab your Bibles and a piece of paper, maybe, and a pen in case you want to take some notes as a Holy Spirit so, so guides you. And then come on back and resume the message so you can see for yourself what we're going to be covering today uh, in the Word of God. Praise God. Getting right into Scripture, turn to the book of Habakkuk. We're going to go to Habakkuk two, chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse number 1. So that's Habakkuk 2, verse number 1. I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed point time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not, it will not tarry. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Today, I want to talk on the subject of knowledge not being the same as vision. Okay, Knowledge not being the same as vision. A lot of people have knowledge, but not everyone has vision. Merriam-Webster defines vision as something seen in a dream, trance, or ecstasy especially a supernatural appearance that conveys a revelation. It also goes then on to define knowledge, on the other hand, as the fact or condition of knowing something with familiarity gained through experience or occasion. So vision and knowledge are not the same thing, all right? Knowledge is based off of what I've done in my past, it's based off of my experiences. It's based off of what I've, I've read, based off of what I've learned in school, right? That's what knowledge is all about. Vision, however, a vision is more conceptual, okay? It's more conceptual. It requires some imagination of what could happen regardless of how feasible it might be. I'm going to say that again. It requires some imagination of what could happen regardless of how feasible it might be. Knowledge, again, is based on experience and learning, all right? So vision and knowledge, not the same thing. Vision is important to have because as we can see in verse, uh, uh, in verse number three, the vision will not lie 
and it will not tarry, but it will come to pass. All right. So it's important to have vision because the vision will come to pass. And in verse number two, it shows there, it, it says that, that, that let, that I'll read the whole, whole scripture there it says, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. So in other words, when you have that vision and you make it plain as day, and if you understand that that vision will come to pass, you should then go and run after it. You should pursue that vision in order to make it a reality. It will take time for the vision to to uh, um, to to take place. All right. And, and it says there again in verse three, though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come. It'll take time for that vision to to play itself out. But we should be running every single day to try to make that vision a reality. A vision provides focus. It provides inspiration. It helps us to not live a life where we wake up every day waiting for something to happen. Instead, we wake up every day and we make something happen. Okay. We make something happen. Business organizations talk a lot about having vision. CEOs will talk about having vision. Anyone that's been successful in life, whatever, however you measure that success will tell you at some point that they had a vision for what it is they wanted to accomplish. And that vision then allowed them to have a laser focus so that every single day that they woke up, they were focused on what do I need to do today to execute my vision? Okay. What do I need to do today to execute my vision? Many times as children of God, not only do we have not have vision, but we don't think about what we need to do today to prepare for tomorrow. Now, I'm not going to get into preaching a sermon around how you get how, how you prepare for today uh, uh, to be prepared or how do you you know work today to be prepared for tomorrow. Uh, I'm not going to get into all of that. But many times as children of God, we don't have vision and then therefore we don't know what to do on our lives each and every in each, in each and every single day. All right. So vision is very important. Again. It provides focus. It provides us inspiration. We need to have a vision from God. Okay. We need to have a vision from God for our lives, especially as children of God and especially in the direction the world has been going. Okay. And where I believe the world will continue to go because the things that are happening they're not all tied to just politics. You know, many times people, we look at what's going on around the world and we start pointing fingers at politicians and we forget the fact that there's a supernatural world out there. Okay. There's a supernatural world out there. There's, there's God's forces of good going against devil's forces of, of evil. And th that battle is always, is constant. It's always taking place and we're in the middle of it. So all of this stuff that's happening can be tied back to the supernatural. Now, I'm not going to preach on, 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 on the supernatural from that perspective and, and, and how the supernatural impacts the, the, the natural, but it's important for us to, to, to know that so that we can have it, so that we can see God and have a vision from him so that we then can write it down on the tablet. Now, a vision isn't something that's that that has to be uh, uh, um, uh, something that jumps out at you necessarily. Like, it doesn't have to be something that you 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 experience like uh, um, like you might see in, in in movies where where somebody oh I closed my eyes and and all of a sudden I saw all of this and I opened my eyes and everything was different and this is what I saw. All it does all it requires is to have some quiet time with God and ask God to show you and to share with you what his vision is for your life, okay? And then you write that down. Too many times we think of vision and we think of this whole twilight zone kind of thing, like, whoa, you saw something, like literally saw something with your eyes that no one else had, no one else had seen, and it's not always that. It's not always that. It's just simply closing your eyes and just listening to what God has to tell you. So it's important, however, for us to have vision. 
I want to look at two events that underscore the importance of having a vision. Two events that underscore the importance of having a vision and how vision is not the same as knowledge. The first event I want to look at has to do with the nation of Israel. Turn in your Bibles to uh, the book of Numbers, Numbers 13, and we're going to go to verse number 27. Numbers 13, verse number 27. Actually, let's go back to verse number 26. Numbers 13, verse 26. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. So, so this here is just a little bit of backstory. God told Moses to send 12 people out to go spy the land of Canaan. All right. And this was a land that God told Moses that this is the land that I am given to the children of Israel. Send out 12 people to go spy out the land. One from each, from each, uh, excuse me, one from each tribe. So there were 12 tribes. So 12 men went out and they were out there for spying the land for 40 days. So now they came back and this is where these verses pick up. Verse 27, then they told him and said, so the 12, when they came back, then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we see the descendants of Anak there. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the, uh, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Okay, so getting back to vision, right, and knowledge, and then not being the same thing. Here, what these 12 are coming back to, 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 to do is they're reporting out on the knowledge that they gained during the time that they were actually spying out the land. So they saw the land was good, which is awesome. But if you notice in verse 28, it says, nevertheless, all right? So now what they're saying is, hey, the land was great. However, or but, or even though the land is great, right? So here they are now bringing a bad report and they're starting to bring in some doubt into the situation because of the knowledge that they obtained while they were, while they were out spying, okay? Because now they're talking about here's where all the Amalekites, the Amalekites are and where everyone and where everyone else is. They see all of these things and then they're also being afraid because they say, moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. All right. So they got this knowledge. God gave Moses a vision, if you will, of taking the land of Canaan because he said, this is the land that I'm giving to 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 Israel. So thinking about, again, what a vision is, it doesn't have to, again, have to be this vivid imagery of something that you want to happen or something that God is showing you. It could simply be God saying, like he said to Moses, go spy out the land because this is the land that I'm given to Israel. Okay. And you can read those in preceding scriptures. Verse number 30. Now look at, look at this. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well over to, we are well able to overcome it. Caleb had faith in God. He's telling them, Hey, Let's knock this off, all right? We have the ability to go ahead and, and, and possess this land. Verse 31, here we go. We're going to see some more doubt, some more knowledge being, being put in here, right? But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report, underline that if you, if you would, 
They gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in, the, in it are men of great stature. Then we saw, underline that, we saw the giants, the descendants of, Ana, of, of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in their eyes, underline, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and we and so we were in their sight. Okay, a lot of good things that are going on here. Now, Caleb, going back to to, to, to verse thirty, there, Caleb was one of the twelve that went with uh, um, uh, the others to go spy out the land. He had the same exact knowledge that everyone else had. All right, he had the same exact knowledge. He saw what they saw. He saw that the land was good. It, had, it was flowing with milk and honey. He saw the descendants of Anak. He saw it everywhere that those different groups were posted up. He saw all of that. But his faith in God and him understanding God's vision, okay, him understanding God's vision and the vision from the perspective of that this land belongs to Israel, he said to them, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well, over, uh, we are well able to overcome it. Notice that Caleb also used the words take possession. Okay. He didn't say let's go attempt to get the land. He said let's go take possession of the land. When God gives you a vision, you are going to have to take possession of that vision. You're going to have to take possession of whatever else you need to take possession of as you work towards God's vision for your life. This land was part of God's vision for Israel. Caleb knew that and knew that if God said that if this is for us, then that means that land belongs to us. Those people there, they're squatting, okay? They are there illegally. That's not their land. That belongs to us. So we're going to go down and we can take it because we have the ability to overcome all of those obstacles, all right? When God gives vision to us, it doesn't mean that obtaining that vision is not going to come without its obstacles. All right. It doesn't mean it's not going to come with it without its obstacles. You can start looking at all sorts of pieces of information through your eyes or, or, or listening to what people say. Like in, in this case here, the people saying, yeah, this looks great, but nevertheless, however, right, you get all of that information and that's knowledge that's coming in. That's knowledge that's coming in. But that knowledge is not the same as vision because that knowledge at times, if it doesn't match with the vision, knowing that knowledge comes from experience, okay? And vision is, is doesn't necessarily mean that you don't have to have experience to have a vision. But if you know that knowledge comes from experience, you can look at that vision and easily come up with all sorts of reasons why that vision is never going to happen because of what you've learned, because of what your experiences are. And if you're not careful, those experiences will take that vision and it'll completely wipe it away and you lose sight of it. They lost sight of God's vision. They focused on the knowledge. They focused on the obstacles that they saw, not thinking that, wait a second now, weren't we just enslaved in Egypt? Didn't God just lead us out of that? Didn't God just part the Red Sea and didn't we walk on dry land? Didn't God then close up that Red Sea on Pharaoh and his chariots and his army when they were coming after us? They lost sight of all of that. And now they will focus on the knowledge that's in front of them. All right. Interestingly enough, too, when you look in verse number 32, it says that the land through which we have gone uh, as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it 
are men of great stature. I want to caution you about this because this is a, a this is a warning to us. And we all do this. Every single one of us ha has done this before where we have embellished or exaggerated a particular situation that we're in. Right now, some people do it on purpose and others, they just do it by accident. They don't mean to. And it just kind of comes out. It's just the way they were the way they remember it. It says that that they said, all right, this is them saying this, that they saw all the men and all the men of, were of great stature. There's times when we might look at a situation and we exaggerate how bad it is. And therefore, we start getting discouraged. OK, we start getting dis discouraged. We start thinking that there's no hope. There's no way out. There's no way that we're going to be victorious because we are are, are are making claims that everything that we see is exactly the way it is, the way that we see it. When in reality is it might not be that bad. OK, how does that play out? Great examples and a simple example is if you ever listen to athletes talk about how well they did in a game or you, you hear a coach of a sports team talk about how the game went. They will always point to something that needs to be improved. Always points to something that needs to be improved. Maybe the basketball player missed a, 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 a key shot. But if you look at his stats overall, he had a great game. But he held on to the fact that maybe he missed the game-winning shot. Quarterback throws a, 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 a throws a pass to a wide receiver and, the, and, and it's and it's a bad pass. Maybe the receiver drops it, and instead of him blaming the receiver, what he'll say is, "I need to throw a better ball. If I'd have thrown the ball better, he would have been able to catch it. We would have gotten a touchdown. We would have won the game. And so, therefore, no, it wasn't that good of a game because we lost. But if you look at the stats, the stats show no, that individual played a great game. That's how that also can play out in our lives as well. We can go to work and say, all of these, you know, today was just a terrible day. And you ask somebody, well, what made the day so bad? I was in this one meeting and this one person said this one thing and it just totally threw off everything that I was trying to do in that meeting. And you use that one experience and that one example to say that it was just a bad day. Okay, it was just a bad day. That's that's similar to what is happening here where they say all the people that they saw were men of great stature. That doesn't mean that all the men in that land were great stature. You had one bad interaction in one meeting doesn't mean your entire day was bad. You may have had one bad day at work doesn't mean your entire week was bad. It doesn't mean your entire month was bad. It doesn't mean your entire year was bad. Do not over exaggerate the actual situation. Don't get so consumed by the knowledge that you're taking in and, and, and keeping it up in your head instead of instead of don't, don't keep it up there, but bring it down into your spirit. Bring it down into your spirit to see that knowledge and then remember God's vision for you. Remember God's vision for you so you can stop focusing on what you're seeing that looks like it's a bad situation and that you can get back to focusing on God. Verse 33, there, there we saw the giants, this knowledge again, and we, uh, the descendants of Anna came from the, from the giants and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight. You see, we come across some crazy obstacles in our lives as children of God. That's just the way it is, right? That's just the way it is. And sometimes we get ourselves into a place where we just think we're not adequate. We're not good enough. We forget that God sent us on a mission. We forget that God told us, this is what I'm going to give you. This is what I'm going, this is the place that I'm going to bring you. But if you notice something, God always says in, in my time, all right, I'm going to give you this in my time. And so we, we hear these things from God and we just often, we just forget about it 
because the situation in front of us seems to be too great. But the reality of it, it's not that great. All right. They said that they were grasshoppers in our in their own sight. Therefore, they were grasshoppers in their sight. But nowhere in scripture does it say that any of these spies went out and talked to any of those inhabitants in Canaan, in the land of Canaan. Not once. But they assumed because they saw how big uh, um, these men were. They saw uh, or they, they, they had the knowledge of the fact that this is a, a war torn land. And, and, and so there's a lot of death because of the war. And, and be, they saw all of that and they had all that knowledge. They just assumed that there's no way in the world they can go down there and take possession of that land. Even though Caleb said we are we are well over. We are well able to overcome it. All right. Many times we believe that we are weak and puny only because our enemies or the situations that we're in seem to be too big for us. OK, we think we're weak and we're incapable because the situation seems too big for us. And we forget that we have an almighty God. And in that almighty God, everything is possible. And the word of God says for with God, nothing is impossible. OK, with God, nothing is impossible. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So that means as long as we have God's vision in our lives and we're keeping that focus and we're walking according to that vision and according to his purpose for our lives, there's nothing that we will be able with. There's, there's not anything that we won't be able to accomplish. Okay? So this is an example here where Israel lost sight of God's vision. They focused so much on knowledge and didn't think that, well, the knowledge isn't what's going to make the land of Canaan. You conquer that. It's having that vision from God and being able to stay focused on that. You use that knowledge to then take it to God and say, God, how do I deal with this situation? Lord, you gave me a vision for this in my life. Here's what I'm seeing around me. Here's the obstacles that I'm seeing around me. How do I navigate these obstacles so I can get to your vision? So that your purpose in my life actually comes to comes to pass. All right. Now, if you read and I won't read the the, 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 the all the chapters afterwards, um, but if you read all the chapters afterwards, what you end up seeing there is that uh, uh, Israel decided not to go into the land. And then at some point they tried to attack it and ended up getting whipped, getting whooped. Um, and, and because they started kind of rebelling against uh, I won't say against Moses, but because they started murmuring against Moses and Moses was was representing God, if you will, uh, as Israel's leader. Uh, God told Moses that they weren't going to enter into they weren't going to enter into that land because they kept provoking them. And then Moses eventually didn't end up getting into the land because later on he ended up striking the rock to provide them water as opposed to speaking to the rock. So very good stuff um, there. I would definitely encourage you to read read the the, the, the remaining chapters. Um, if you if you're not familiar with the story. So that's one example there uh, uh, of an event where there was a vision that was shared. All right. God's vision for Israel was that they were going to have the land of Canaan and and Israel relied on the knowledge. And that kept them from actually going in and trying to trying to take the land, even though they were even though it was it was meant for them. The second event that I want to look at is our is our good friend David. All right, very familiar scriptures here. We're going to look at David. So turn in your Bibles to First uh, Samuel chapter seventeen. First Samuel chapter seventeen, and we're going to start in verse number seventeen. Uh, let's make that verse sixteen. So First Samuel seventeen. Verse 16, and the Philistine drew near and presented himself 
40 days, uh, 40 days, morning and evening. So this is talking about um, talking about Goliath when he w walked up to Israel and started challenge challenging them. All right. Verse 17. Then Jesse said to his son, David, take now for your brothers an ephah of this dried grain and these 10 loaves and run to your brothers at the camp and carry these 10 cheeses to the captain of their thousand and see how your brothers fare and bring back news of them. Now Saul and they, uh, now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came back and he came to the camp as the army was going out to, to fight and shouting for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array army against army. So as David is going out here the, uh, uh, bringing these supplies, he's seeing that Israel and, and, and uh, the Israelites and the Philistines are getting ready to go to battle. Okay, he, he sees that. Verse 22, and David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army and came and greeted his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the same words, so David heard them. So now David, now not only is David seeing them getting ready to battle, he's hearing for himself for the first time the things that, these, that this Philistine is saying, that Goliath is saying. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel, and it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with his great riches, will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Then Moses spoke to the men who stood, who stood, by, uh, who stood by him, saying, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine? Okay, so David here recognized the moment. All right. What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away his approach, it, uh, take, takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? OK, remember, again, about vision, it doesn't have to be this visual thing that you see. All right. It could just be a message from God where he's telling you to do something. David here recognizes that there's that, 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 that Israel, these are God's people. That nation, they, they belong to God. So these armies that are here that are part of Israel's army, these are armies of the living God, which is why he's saying, who, who is this guy thinking that he could defy the armies of the, of the, of the living God? So he's starting to kind of recognize the moment here and he's starting to, to take in some, take in some knowledge. But what he does, you'll see and how it's, how it differs than what happened with Israel, uh, earlier on in, in previous scriptures. Okay. Um, verse 27, and the people answered him in this manner saying, so shall it be done for the man who kills him. Now, Eliab, his oldest brother heard when he, when, uh, when he spoke to the men and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and insolence of your heart for you have come down to see the battle. When God gives you a vision, and you start to execute that vision, don't be surprised if somebody comes along your way and says to you, in essence, you have no business being here. Don't you have something else that you need to go do? All right. David was a shepherd boy. His role was to tend to the sheep and to, 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 to tend to that flock. He did have an assignment from Jesse to go bring these supplies. 
And then he was supposed to go back also to, to go back to Saul to report to them how his brothers were doing. But instead now he's up there and he's asking questions about what's going on with this Philistine. Oh, and by the way, what happens if somebody kills him? And now his brother's getting in and basically saying, why don't you go back out to the field and tend to the sheep? That's your job. You shouldn't be over here. You just want to came here because you want to see the battle and you have some other ulterior motives that you're not talking about I, because I know the pride of your heart, right? That's what he said there in verse 20. I know the pride and insolence of your heart. So he's trying to, he's trying to be dismissive. Don't be surprised if somebody tries to dismiss you when you're starting to do God's work. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first ones did. Now, when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul and he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. You see, David here, he's taking in this knowledge and he's seeing what's going on. But David has a vision that he's going to be delivered from God. And we're going to see why he's got that vision. And he's holding on to that vision as he's telling everybody, listen now. Yeah, I might be a shepherd boy. I get it. Don't you guys be afraid. I'm going to go fight this Philistine. Okay. Verse 33. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For you are a youth and he is a man of war from his youth. So again, David is using that vision that he has of being of God delivering them because he knows that these armies belong to God. He has that vision. And now Saul, excuse me, Saul is hitting him and trying to give him knowledge to discourage him to basically, again, like his brothers, go back to doing what you're doing because you're not capable of doing this. All right. The skills you have don't matter. Your degree doesn't matter. Your education doesn't matter. Your salary, it doesn't matter. The position you hold in the, in, 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 in the workplace, it doesn't matter. Your socioeconomic status doesn't matter. Your skin color doesn't matter. The language that you speak does not matter. When God calls you, none of that matters. None of that matters. When God calls you, it's because there's something inside of you that God sees that nobody else can see. Nobody else can see. Don't let somebody tell you you are incapable because of how you look, because of how you speak, because of how you act, because if God is calling you to do it, it doesn't matter what anybody thinks of you. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks of you. If God's calling you to do it and you do it, you're going to be successful. You're going to be successful. Verse 34. I love this response. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and I took a lamb and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by the beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing that he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. What David just did right there was he helped, he, he, he held on to God's vision. Then he used the knowledge of his past experiences related to how God delivered him. 
Too many times we look at God's vision, we look at our past experiences, not from the perspective of how God delivered us, but because of how hard it was back then. Because of the heartache and the pain and the struggle and the trial and the tribulations that happened in the past, we hold on to that in our experiences and we use that to cloud our vision. David could have easily focused on the fact how he may have felt when that bear and that lion took a sheep. But he didn't. What he focused on was the fact that he killed him because God was with him. And because God was with him then, God is going to be with him now. So having knowledge is not, again, the same as vision because the vision is the one is the thing that gives the narrow focus. If David would have focused only on the knowledge, not only may he have forgotten the fact that God had delivered him and maybe he, he may have only focused on how difficult it was to get that sheep back, but he also could have been puffed up in himself saying that I'm going to fight this Philistine, I'm going to kill this Philistine, I'm going to deliver the nation of Israel. But instead, that's not what he said. What he said in verse 37, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And then Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Okay. So it's, in, again, it is absolutely critical that we keep our focus on God's vision for us so that when things start to get tough, we don't lose sight of what it is God wants to do. And we use our knowledge of our past experiences in terms of God actually delivering us. And we carry those on into the future. We carry those on as we go into that next chapter of our life. We carry that on to the next time we actually uh, are in a situation where, they, where there's uncertainty. That's what we focus on. Um, let's, I'm going to jump down. Uh, actually, let's keep going through here. So Saul clothed David in his armor and he put a, helm, a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch, which he had. And his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David and the man who bore his shield went before him. So here, here, here David is now, okay? He knew how to kill a lion. He knew how to kill a bear. He's about to go against this warrior from youth. And if you look, you can look back in the, in the description of, uh, of Goliath. He was about nine feet tall. His armor and everything was about 150 pounds or so. So this is a big guy that's pretty intimidating. All right. And David decided to take five smooth stones and a sling. Let's jump down, staying in 1 Samuel uh, 17. Let's jump down to um, verse number 19. Oh, I'm sorry, not verse 19. Uh, let's jump down to verse number 49. Okay, we'll pick, pick it up here a little bit afterwards. So this is when they get ready to get to, to battle. Then David put in his hand, uh, uh, put his hand in his bag and took out a stone, one stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of his sheath and killed him and cut his head off. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. I love that. Underline that. And when the, and when they, uh, when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Okay. Now, 
The other thing about vision that's important. Remember earlier I mentioned that vision is not about what could happen or a vision is about what could possibly happen regardless of the circumstance. If you simply use knowledge of your past experiences and if David simply just focused on the knowledge of the past experiences and not focused on God's vision as well, there's no way he would have went down and just taken some stones from a brook and a sling to go fight the Philistine. Okay, no way. But the reason why he did that was because all he knew was that God was going to deliver him. Okay, God was going to deliver him. He, that's why he went and he grabbed those stones. He wasn't thinking about, well, gee, how is a stone going to take down this nine foot warrior with all of this armor? Okay, he just went and he grabbed it. Okay, he focused on God's vision and the unlikely scenario, two, and two unlikely scenarios happened. Well, actually, even three, if you look at that. One, he killed the Philistine with a stone to the forehead, okay, being tossed out of a sling. This isn't some sort of sniper rifle where he loaded up and he shot him in the head. He threw a sling at him and it hit him in the forehead. And the, the, the shot to the forehead is what killed him. Then what he did, the next thing that happened, he then took Goliath's sword and chopped his head off. Okay, and later on there it talks about how he bought the head bought, bought the head back. And then lastly, what happened is what? The Philistines ran. They all ran. When you start executing God's vision in your life, all of those naysayers, all of those people that are coming against you, they will flee. They will flee. God will remove them out of your life. They, he will remove them out of that situation the same way he removed those Philistines out of the situation with Israel because David went in there and kept, kept hold of God's vision. Okay. So again, knowledge is not the same as vision. We must learn to, to, we must learn what God's vision is for our lives and keep that focus in front of us each and every single day. So that when obstacles come up, we can look at the vision and we can remember what it said in Habakkuk that the, what, though the vision may take, may tarry, that we should wait for it because it will come and it will not lie. We must remember that. We must also remember how God delivered us in the past situations. Don't focus on how difficult it was. Focus on the fact that God brought you through it. God made you victorious. Use that knowledge. Use that knowledge and apply it to the vision that God has for you. Now, what about if you don't have a vision or you don't know what God's vision is? I'd encourage you, spend some time with God. Okay? Make a meeting with him. And when you go to that meeting, grab a pad and a, and a pencil or something to, to take some notes on. And just simply ask him, say, Lord... I just want to know what your vision is for my life. What is it? And listen quietly and patiently as he talks, starts to speak to you. As you start hearing these things and you start feeling what it is he's telling you, start writing all of that stuff down. And then once you have it written down, go back to him in another meeting and say, Lord, this is what I'm hearing. Is this you? How do I make this a reality in my life? Help me to walk after this vision because all I want is for your path for my life, your vision for my life to become a reality. That's all we have to do. When John was on the island of Patmos, he had a vision of things to come. That's why he wrote, that's how he wrote the book of Revelation. You want to know what God wants to do in your life? Be prepared to ask, be prepared to listen, and be prepared to write it down and then walk. And I should say, not even walk, 
run in that direction. Run in that direction. Okay. One of the things scripture said, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't read it here, but it said that David ran, David ran to the battle. Okay. He ran to the battle. All right. Run to the vision that God is setting for you. Well, praise God. I hope this message was a blessing to you. And before we close, let's end with a prayer. Dear Lord God, Heavenly Father, I just want to praise your most magnificent name, Lord Jesus. And I just want to thank you for these words that came forth today. I pray, Lord God, that these words bless everyone that has heard them, Lord God. I pray for everyone that's listening, Lord, and ask that if they don't know what your vision is for their life, Lord God, or if they're unclear what your vision is for their life, that you would just make it completely clear for them. Speak to them in a way that only you can touch them and speak to them in your own special way and give them clarity of vision and clarity of purpose for their lives so that they can walk in the path that you are laying out for them. Thank you, Lord God, for always watching over us and for keeping us keeping us safe. And once again, thank you for your words here today. I praise you. We love you. And we thank you for all your wonderful blessings, both great and small, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, praise God. Once again, I hope this message was a blessing to you. Uh, and I would encourage you to pass this message on to friends, family, and loved ones, and anyone that might be giving you a hard time. You can find us at genesis1.sermon.net. Genesis 1 is one word. And if you click on the upper right-hand corner where it says subscribe, click on that button, and you'll be notified anytime new content is posted. We also have an app on the App Store, Genesis 1 Christian Ministries, on the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. And we also have a YouTube page. If you search us on YouTube at Genesis 1 Christian Ministries, Genesis 1 is two words, you'll be able to find uh, these messages, video messages posted on there as well. All of this is made completely free to you because we just want to spread God's word to everyone. Well, praise God. I hope that you walk in his peace and that you walk away from this message feeling encouraged about the vision that God has for you or feel encouraged to seek out God's vision for your life. And always remember that you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. Praise God. And I sing praises to your name. Oh, Lord, praises to you.